Okay. Are we recording now? Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Oh, yeah. hello. All right, check, check, check. Cash, 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 cash. Yeah, right. yeah. Sound check. Um, um, do you, want to do, you want to do the inter, the intro part? Or? I did. You already did? Okay, yeah. fantastic. Well, hi. Um, yeah, I'm Ryan. Uh, uh, how did I end up in Pi? Oh, God, what a circuitous question. Um it's been a long journey, obviously a lot of weird shit. Um, the kind of abridged version is that I came to Pi four years ago um, after a really bad breakup. A friend of mine back home knew what I was going through, but he happened to be out here in Pi. Um, his mom was trying to retire here. Uh, and he said, hey man, this is just a beautiful place and there's a lot of healing going on. I know what you're going through. Just just take a vacation. Just just take yeah. a trip. How long ago is this? Uh, this was four years ago. Actually, almost four years to the day. November wow. 4th was my, um, my anniversary for it. Um, and it was on a whim. I'd already done a fair amount of traveling prior to this as a, as a busker, as a magician. Um, yeah. I'd already lived in a van for a couple of years and traveled around the American Southwest. Um, I've been on a lot of lecture tours with my dad. My pops is also a magician. Um, so I've been all over Europe, a little bit of Canada, a little bit of Mexico, um, all the American Southwest. So I kind of, I wasn't exactly untethered though. I was still sort of attached to the idea of the kind of Western world. Like, well, I gotta be, you know, anywhere that I go, I gotta be making money. Yeah. So, Comet to Thailand was definitely a, it was a stretch, but I was at the end of my rope. I was in a really, really painful place in a tiny town. Yeah. Um, uh, the scene of the crime, as my dad called it. You know, when you when you go through a breakup in a small town, everything fucking reminds you of yeah. everything. It's just all triggers. You can't heal where you were broken. You, you so. can't. You just can't. And I was trying to. So it was yeah, six exactly. months of like agony. <laughs> all of us do. <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna dig my heels out. I'll be just fine. <laughs> yeah. No, dude, you won't. Get yeah, the fuck yeah, out of there. Exactly. So, uh, I got off the phone. Immediately looked up tickets. I bought a ticket for a Friday, and I bought it on that Monday, four days away, it was like a $250 ticket. Couldn't believe how cheap it was. Um, but I didn't, I didn't make any planning up, and you know, yeah. like, oh, you know, I'm buying this ticket. Yeah. This is four days away. I gotta, I gotta pack my shit. Yeah. Oh God, I got loose ends to tie up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and that's when you like, like um, siphon, not siphon, like you. Cut down on your belongings to like minimalistic because you, you travel across the world now. You, you oh, can't yeah. own the shit that you own. Like, Absolutely. Was that the moment in which you did that? Like you were like, I mean, it was all pretty much in a van. It was a lot of what what I what I owned, my physical possessions, was a lot of like camping gear because I was living out of a van. Yeah. Um, uh, like magic show stuff. Yeah. Uh, I was relatively minimalistic at that point already. I'm a, I'm very compact. Yeah, that's um, nice. I went to uh, to Burning Man for seven years solid. Um, in a row? In a row. Jesus. It became a huge part of my life. The burn shifted my life around. It's totally a cliche to say yeah. Burning Man changed my life. But it really did. The first year that magic. I went there, I didn't um, I didn't know any magic. Uh, I was, in fact, 24 at the time. And... My dad had been a magician my entire life. I'd always been watching phenomenal entertainers, but I always kind of looked at my dad as a clown. 
makes people laugh. He's kind of goofy. Mm -hmm. Dresses sort of silly. He does card tricks. It was just sort of like, Dad, you're just a schmuck. You know, yeah. you're just a kid. <laughs> but then I went to Burning Man, and because I saw all of this art and performance and 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 just beautiful displays of people just giving what they were good at. Yeah. Gigantic art sculptures that people were literally good on at. Wheels. <laughs> set on wheels. And they're, they're either on wheels or they're filled with napalm ready yeah. to get burned away. It was such a system of giving. I was like, I want to have something to give the next yeah. year I went. So I went home from that first year and I asked my dad, hey, could you teach me some tricks? I just want to have something to give. I took him the next year. I practiced him a bunch. Um, and enough people said, hey, you're good at this. You know, you should, you should really try this. I've been watching my dad for so long and I got so much knowledge of performance yeah. skills just through osmosis, just through watching him. Yeah. Uh, that I started performing and I quit my job and I started busking and it happened in this weirdly natural way that, I mean, the, the burn changed my life. It gave me a, a reason to believe that performance was a gift. Yeah. It was a thing to give. It wasn't yeah. just my dad being a fucking goofball. Yeah, yeah. My dad is Peter Pan syndrome to the max. He is <laughs> absolute you, definition. Did you do the seven years consecutive of Burning Man? Uh, before you stepped foot in Pai or yeah. in Thailand? Yeah. Wow. So, so you've definitely been in the full community before you even, you know, started Medicine Circus because you'd weirdly, seen it Burning Man. Weirdly. Yeah. In all those years, obviously there's shit tons of fire dancers out there. Yeah. But there was always this weird barrier. Yeah. It was always a thing that I felt, especially as a magician, like what I do is so small mm -hmm. by comparison to these massive, beautiful shapes that they're doing. There felt like this barrier of entry, this kind of wall between me and those performers oh that's that's just for fire dancers yeah. I could never do that I do card dancer. tricks yeah. I'm not a fire dancer I'm not that graceful yeah, Jesus yeah, Christ yeah. you know I barely know how to operate this fucking meat jacket yeah. um, so I was around it and I was very much exposed to it but I never even so much as touched him mm. um, but <clears throat> as a performer I was learning mm -hmm. to get up in front of crowds and, mm -hmm. and talk to people and, and be charismatic and, and so it was seven years of that Totally changed my life. The last burn that I went to was um, I broken up with my girlfriend, but we both still went to the playa. Mm -hmm. We'd gone a couple of years before that together, and it was a very painful burn yeah. because she was present, but she was on the other side of the of the city. Yeah. Um, we knew we were there, and we had a yeah, we had a couple of parting moments, and it was lovely. But it was so heavy. Yeah. It's heavy being in a festival setting with a broken heart. Yeah. Everybody else is fucking here man yeah. it's fucking lovely and I'm like I'm crying to my yeah. fucking Cheerios and you man can't, you, and you can't just like not be there like yeah. if you're there like emotionally you're there and you gotta you gotta feel it and of course yeah. everybody there is you know really feel it really embrace it I'm like I kinda wanna burn my van down yeah. like this is not this is not an appropriate feeling for yeah. celebration so it was rough but it was actually it was it was the week after I'd gotten back when it was just so fucking painful mm -hmm. that my buddy called me from Pi and said, buy a ticket, fucking get the fuck out of here. Yeah, you need to get out. So, peeled off. Came to Pi. Um, barely on a shoestring. Um, immediately fell in love with the place. I knew that, like, the minute that I got to Pi, there was something really special going on here. And it was beautiful. Um, State of month here... Uh, met a lot of beautiful people was just affected in really deep ways I had to get a visa extension because I knew I wanted to stay a little bit longer so I had to haul ass down to Chiang Mai um, went into got the visa extension went into a little coffee shop that a friend up here uh, recommended to me 
that coffee shop was having an open mic. Mm. The owner saw me doing some card tricks. He's like, hey, dude, you got to come back for our open mic. It's fucking great. And it was. It was absolutely beautiful. It was the most, it redefined open mic to me. It was really open-hearted people telling yeah. stories about things that had happened to them or, yeah. you know, reading poetry that was, like, really touching. It wasn't just like, you know, oh, I learned this Bob Dylan song. It was like, <laughs> no, it was really vulnerable and it was really beautiful and heartfelt. And so I did a magic show. Yeah. And during that show, off in the corner was this tall, leggy redhead that was smiling ear to ear the whole time. She laughed at every joke. She clapped at all the right moments. Her name, was Je- her name is Gemma. Um, immediately fell in love with her. We dated for two and a half years. Uh, I fell heavily into the Chiang Mai community. It was, it was very similar to what's going on up here. It's the same sort of vibe. A lot of Falong, yeah. a lot of... Um, a lot of expats, a lot of lost kids, trying to just have better relationships, uh, be more conscious, yeah. communicate better, um, learn to, to get along, make things. We, mm-hmm. in fact, uh, uh, one time we decided to throw a big party that turned into the Jitep Festival, which is now in its 55th year. We just threw a big party. We were, we were really ambitious kids in, yeah. in ways that we were trying to find out what was the right way to be ambitious. Yeah. Much to my chagrin, as this too shall pass, everything uh-huh. sort of comes to a close. Yeah. Um, when Gemma and I drifted apart, it was kind of a violent tearing. Uh-huh. And uh, and I removed myself from the Chiang Mai community. I came back up to Pai, again, with a broken heart. Uh-huh. Totally fucking shattered. Yeah. Um, and I stumbled into Paradise where it just so happened that uh, the people that were running the fire show at the time were moving on to Cambodia. Joe offered me the job, and it was such a sign from the universe. I had nothing. I had no community. I had no friends. I had no possessions. I'd lost all of my possessions. Yeah. I, had, I came up here with nothing but a backpack with a couple of T-shirts and a pair of pants. That's crazy. Nothing. May I ask how much you had to make? Like how many dollars you had? Like barely any. 150 bucks maybe. That's insane. Oh god, it was terrible. And this, is, and this is two years ago now? Four years ago. Oh, uh, well, no, this um, this you, particular time is yeah. uh, 15 months, so just yeah. just under two years. That's crazy. Um, I, I came to Pi just a broken man. Yeah. Just I had everything in my life, my community. Yeah. It just kind of fell apart around me. I'm not going to go into the details of the story. It was ugly, and a lot of it was my fault. Um, So I kind of put myself there. But Joe offering me this job was such a sign from the universe of like, okay, you got nothing. Here's something. What are you going to do with it? So I poured my heart over it. So you you merge into the medicine circus. There's some sort of circuses from before kind of thing. No. No. See, this is the thing. When I showed up, the fire show, and for those of you listening, I'm doing finger quotes there yeah um the the fire show was like maybe two or three dancers a lot of the time it was just me and joe playing to like five people over by the pool table yeah nothing like my whole job was to just put out a bucket of kerosene make sure the toys didn't get stepped on that was it there was there was nothing there was really no reputation it was it was the tail end of of off season of rainy season um but the population was tremendously low, and there really wasn't an intention for it. And and fire show, typically in kind of Southeast Asian Falun culture, is this sort of just like 
Everybody just kind of lights up. Whoever wants to watch, watches. Yeah. This is fine. Uh -huh. And I did that for a couple of months until we had enough friends around. And granted, I had picked up Poi four months before I got the job. First fucking time. I knew nothing, essentially. I was a clueless motherfucker. Yeah. Um, but it didn't take me long into it for that kind of magician, showman mentality to kind of click in and be like, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> There's something here. Mm -hmm. I remembered what it was like and the way that it felt to turn a series of tricks into a show. Mm -hmm. Meaning when I first started Magic, here's this trick. Did you like that? Yeah. Here's another trick. Did you like that? Yeah. Over time. Slowly building it into, yeah. they all link into each other and they, yeah. and they reference back to one another and building a show that an audience fucking loves and that they want to pay for. And it clicked relatively quickly. It was like, hey, wait a minute. If we kind of just steered this in just a slightly different direction, uh -huh little bit more organization, yeah. little bits at a time. And it happened so organically. The crew of people that were here at the time, and, and some of them still are, um, we make, we came to the decisions very naturally because essentially what we were doing were glorified fire jams. They weren't fire shows, yeah. really. They were fire jams yeah. that we'd have small audiences for. But we were all performing with enough frequency that we all kind of got bored of the same shit at about the same time. Yeah. For example, you know, we're kind of tired of just 12 of us standing out there spinning different toys at different times. Yeah. What if we put all of the same toys together? Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. What if we actually, like, picked a song? Mm -hmm. Oh, God, that was really cool. Yeah. And, like, all of these little teeny decisions that yeah. slowly and very democratically over time started to, to build into shit. And that was about the time that I started calling meetings. And I was like, hey, we actually need to, like, talk about this. We're doing this frequently enough. We'd also had two gigs at a place called Mad Monkey. So we were performing together four times a week, just farting around. But we were kind of slowly starting to fine-tune what it was like to work together, not just a large group of individual fire performers, but, hey, we do this together a bunch. It's like when, how, I can only imagine it's how a band forms. Yeah. You know, like, we've been playing music together for long enough. What if we it's, made a name? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Exactly. So over time... Um, they there came more people that fire spin. This is something that is interesting to me because you said that in the very beginning it was only you and Joe. And you mm -hmm. performed about four times a week together, and there was like I don't know five people watching every time. Roughly, you know, five. roughly. And then you know, six months ahead, uh, you know, the reputation starts going, the word starts going around. There's this fire th thing in pie, and then it started attracting fire spinners. Yeah. How how did that happen? Like. When, when were the first people coming from outside that were not in Pi, like wanted to, you know, be part of the circus? Because I imagine there's both people that came in that already knew about fire spinning, people that mm -hmm. had no fucking clue about fire spinning at all, and Absolutely. suddenly became fire spinners. Yeah, that's probably a whole other, you know. Well, that that, that ties in very much with the story because it wasn't even really exactly six months. I got the job August first. I would say about late September, early October, with the coming of the the kind of upturn of the high season. Mm -hmm. um, People started coming in again. You're totally right that there's some people that were already fire spinners. Pi has always had kind of a healthy flow community um, between the circus school, which yeah. has unfortunately gone through its own um, changes over the last couple of years. Yeah. But there's always been sort of a there's always been sort of a presence of hippies and flow arts go really yeah. well together. It's it's meditation. It's it's a it's a beautiful craft. Yeah. So. It was within a few months, um, 
just to preface this, we hadn't even developed the name at this point. Interesting. What happened was that I was just running the fire shows at, Pi, at, at Paradise, and um, slowly but surely, you know, people would come in and, and they'd kind of hear through the grapevine, there's a bunch of pi, fire spinners and pie. Oh, you're into flow arts? You should totally go up there and meet up with them. And this was this slow accumulation of, you know, of Olive and, and Mackenzie and Leela and Faith and all these people that were, uh, some people that were picking up toys for the first time and we were all learning them together. Uh, some people that had more experience that we really looked up to and like, oh my God, these were incredible. Um, uh, and it was only, I, I don't even think we're on the anniversary yet of even developing the name. I think it was late November, early December. That again, it was that it was that very organic process of we were performing together long enough and frequently enough that we were like, hey, what if we had a name? We should yeah. make a troop name, yeah. you know? Freaking, let's do a thing, you know? It's the yeah. team name, we're the Flying Blue Jays or yeah. whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> so, and yeah. we went through a bunch of different. It, it was it was really me that kind of called for it because again, I I really I had this sort of calling of like we're doing this thing and I'm kind of even at the time I was sort of at the head of it because mm -hmm. I was in that I was in charge of the fire department here yeah. at Paradise. I was in charge of the toys, I was in charge of the kerosene. I'd already had this sort of sense of responsibility. Yeah. So I also felt this sort of sense of like, wow, I gotta, I gotta push this. If I wanna see it go somewhere, yeah. I gotta be the one pushing. Yeah. I wanna develop a name. Uh -huh. And me and my buddy Dave, we bantered about all sorts of shit. We're the fire hobos, we're uh -huh. the, <laughs> the spin drifters, we're the, you know, we're the pyromaniacs, you know, a yeah, bunch yeah. of fucking different names came out. <laughs> And what would you end up? What would you made up? End up with Madison Circus? What was that like? The funny. Oh God, this is the beautiful one. This yeah. is the beautiful one. Um, you'll meet Mackenzie. Oh, actually, you won't. You guys are passing like ships in the dark. Tragic. <laughs> it's Lady Mackenzie, beautiful, heartfelt, uh, just powerful fucking woman. I'd been bantering around names for a couple of weeks at that point, and I was really thinking about it. And it was a topic of conversation. And I remember after the show, I was talking to Mackenzie, and she was like, well, what is this, you know, what does this thing mean to you? you know, what, what is it, what is it about? And of course, my story of what had happened in Chiang Mai was still very heavy on my heart. Yeah. It was a huge impact on the way that I, that I lived, mm -hmm. the, the way that I was. And I knew that, like, I'd heard this repetitive script from other people that like Florence was helping them to heal it was a it, you know movement is medicine they were mm -hmm. able to work through their emotions in a physical way they were able to to dance things out they were able to express things that they didn't otherwise know how to express yeah they were able to push themselves into something that they felt like they were good at and it was way of them healing from past traumas not that we even really needed to know exactly what the traumas were yeah. but I heard this script over and over again from okay. everybody that was into it that it was a very healing craft, yeah. that it was something that we were using as a salve for wounds that nobody else could see. Yeah. And when I talked to Mackenzie about this, of like this was the, this was what gave me a sense of definition after I'd lost everything. Yeah. It gave me a, a purpose when I thought that I didn't have a purpose anymore. It gave me a place that I was needed mm -hmm. when I thought that I was useless. Yeah. And she said, oh, so like a medicine circus. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Say that again. That's the word. It just, it, it fell out. It yeah, came so organically. All the bantering of names, it didn't mean shit. It just fell out of her. 
and it instantly reverberated. And yeah. not only does it have a beautiful ring to it, just the sound of the words together, medicine, circus, oh, yeah. oh it's very symphonic. Yeah. But it was so indicative of so many things. It's, it's, it's medicine. Yeah. It's medicine for wounds that we don't even fucking know about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> for psychological, for for physical, for mm -hmm. it's it's therapy on so many levels. Doing something together yeah. is is huge. It's a learning of of boundaries and communication skills and and learning how to be human beings with one another. Performing in front of people, being vulnerable. Those first couple of months, man, I had so many performances in which I literally cried in front of audiences because I just couldn't even hold it back. It's just where I was, and I was. Yeah sad and I missed my ex and I missed uh -huh. my community and I didn't know who the fuck I was uh -huh. but being able to do that in front of people and with people was it was powerful yeah and so it became medicine and of course I latched on to the name and being sort of you know the spearhead of the situation I, I latched on and I made a logo and fucking you know, it, it really, it rolled very organically because it was something for me to pour my everything into. Yeah. I didn't know it, man, but all of those years of everything that I'd ever done led up to me being capable of doing this. Mm -hmm. Several years of helping to put together JITEP taught me management and organization skills. Mm -hmm. Ten years of being a traveling magician taught me how to put together a show. Yeah. Um, I still barely even had the skills with the actual props themselves, mm -hmm. but I got to learn alongside people that were just voracious and we were yeah. just always playing with toys, standing yeah. around the sun, you know, hanging oh. out in a bunch of lost kids. It yeah. formed very organically and That's it great. was medicine for all of us. And then there was all these people, you know, obviously it was quicker, the growth happened quicker than six months as I mentioned. Um, and there was more and more people coming in. And then over time, you know, the ship was continuing to sail, right? So then this just became bigger and bigger. Uh, you know, now it was 10 people watching, now it's 20 people watching, now it's 50 people watching, and then suddenly you got over 100 people, right? Yeah. So, and this happened This happened during a year. Like, uh, yeah, and obviously it, it, it um, the this fluctu only, this fluctuated. This is only 15 months ago. This is only 15 months exactly. ago. Exactly. This is since the, 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 the rebirth of Ryan, yeah. since the birth of the Medicine Circus, it's only yeah. been 15 months. And it's fluctuated dramatically because Pi is just so fucking transient. The the peak seasons and the low seasons are dramatically noticeable. Our, our yeah. peak season, I came here in August, our peak season is between late October to the beginning of February. So that's, yeah. you know, four or five months. Yeah. Um, and then after that, it just drops the fuck off again. Yeah. Um, but we, we were developing enough of a reputation, not only within locals in town, but... Also, just kind of, you know, there's not a whole lot of activities for entertainment going on here. Yeah. So it, it definitely built, and there would be, there would kind of be more and more people that would, that would come to this. Yeah. It's really actually only in the last few months that it's turned into what it is now because we've been doing the reputation. Anything that you do for over a year starts to really get traction. Yeah, and it went through these dips and dives. That first high season, there was about 20 to 25 of us on the team that were voraciously performing together. But at the time, 
and I think this is what really helped to form it in such a healthy fashion. It wasn't really about the audiences. It was about what we were doing together, and it was yeah. so exciting, and we loved it so much yeah. that that gravitational pull, whenever you love anything enough, yeah. I'm just going to do this myself. It doesn't matter what I get. Holy shit, look at all these fucking people that are here to watch yeah. us be a part of a family. Yeah. And I got this feedback repeatedly throughout the, that first high season was that what people would come to watch just as much as the fire spinning, which is compelling itself, was to watch us interact yeah. and act, just be a family and 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 play with each other and and cooperate backstage yeah. and and the way that we would work together was just as compelling as the craft itself. Yeah. So, um, so those first couple of months were really powerful. They kind of culminated with um, uh, our first gala show, which was mm -hmm. in uh, January of 2019. Mm -hmm. um, it was the first time that we'd really tried mm -hmm. to push ourselves to to do. Some acts. kind of big presentation acts yeah. of really any type. A lot yeah. previous to that, it was just farting around. There was yeah. no <laughs> choreography at all, choreography or coordination. It was just farting around. Just want to put it on fire and then put, then put it on fire. Go fuck around. Yeah. Go do your thing. You know, which was which is beautiful and it's yeah, a huge part of it. Somewhere. But there's levels to it, and we didn't discover that until later on. And it was a series of different people that influenced us. I met Erica and Sion on the street. Erica. Right about the time that we were planning on doing something bigger, I was like, you know what we really need? We need choreography. We need somebody that knows what what choreography is. We've got management. We've got all the dancers. We've got all the skills. We need somebody that knows about putting on a show. Yeah. Standing outside my favorite restaurant downtown, this lady walks up. She's a circus choreographer. The fuck? This, this town is, is full of serendipity. This is Erica. That's Erica and Sion came and completely revolutionized what we were doing. They, they introduced a lot of systems of, of structure, and not in the kind of Western world, bad world, like structure, yeah, like yeah. a cage. Yeah. It was more of just like, you guys are just like, we're just herding cats, just meow, meow. They're fucking, it's just people everywhere, and everybody's in the way constantly, and we had no idea yeah. what the fuck we were doing. Yeah. This thing was growing around us to the, the speed and to the extent, expected. way faster yeah. than we expected, to the extent where... It was disorganized fucking chaos to a point where it was a lot harder to manage with the yeah. tiniest bit of structure and organization. Mm -hmm. This shit becomes a lot simpler. <laughs> but it would, we were just, just clumped together yeah. in a group and there's toys coming out and yeah. safety. What's that? Yeah. You know, just like, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. All these little things that, you yeah. know, Erica and Cyan were able to come in with a, a fresh perspective and an outside view. And they've been a part of several circuses back in, in uh, Portland. Yeah. Um, so they just came in and saw all of the little things that like, hey, you could fine tune this, 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 and this, mm -hmm. and everything would run around smoother, and they were fucking right, and they completely changed not only what we do, but also my I life completely. Yeah. They, they gave a sense of like, you can organize this. A lot of what, what I felt was really my job in the beginning days was to really cater to a lot of people's feelings. By nature, performers, people that like to perform are exuberant, expressive, mm -hmm. talented, beautiful, mm -hmm. dramatic yeah. people. <laughs> By nature, this mm -hmm. is, it's not a, I'm not saying drama like again no, in the no, Western world, saying, but yeah. like actors and shit, we're yeah. dramatic, we're, we're dramatic. fucking, we're freak out fucking yeah. people. Expressive. So a lot of those first months was really kind of like catering to everybody's feelings and really just kind of um, a lot of drama among hippies. Yeah what my job sort of turned into from there was sort of a facilitation. Erica and Cyan taught me how to just like allow a little bit of structure to it, enough that 
it would make it easier on everybody. People yeah. would get their toes stepped on a lot less. Yeah. People would feel like they got the spotlight when they really wanted it. Yeah. Um, and structure is hard when there's people coming and going the way that they do here. It's almost nightmarish, the, yeah. the way of introducing new things to new people. So all of this few months, and this is an, an elaboration on exactly that, that, that statement. Mm -hmm. So all of these months of build-up, when we really built something, we really feel like felt we, we made it together, we came up with a name, we were performing together, it was the Medicine Circus, it was a manifestation of a childhood dream. It was fucking beautiful. Everybody loved to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, end of January, beginning of February, we started migrating into our festival season here in, in Northern Thailand. Um, Jai Tep was first, it's the very first weekend in February. Shortly after that is Shambhala, which is a nine-day, mm -hmm. just beautiful, just chill-out festival so up in Shambhala. It's amazing. Immediately after that, everybody came back, packed their bags, fucking left. Yeah. Because it's smoky season, and it's harsh and it's oppressive. Over the course of about a week, I said goodbye to every single person that I had fallen in love with That's over the so course cool. of this season. And the, the next meeting after that, all right, guys, what we're going to cover today is who are all you people? I haven't even met you. There was a bunch of new people that it yeah. was just everybody that had helped sort of build it. Yeah. Leaf in the breeze. They just kind of floated off. Another so it was people. sort of this weird... Um, transition? It was, it was a massive transition because all of the sort of structure and, and rules and ideas that we had established together as a team... Yeah. Now it was just me harping about them. Now yeah. it was just like, you know, these are the rules. And a bunch of kids were just like, why the fuck is this asshole so loud about this? <laughs> we determined this together as a team. None of these decisions came about from me being a tyrannical dictator. We yeah. all chose on these things yeah. together and democratically. But now I was introducing all of these ideas and concepts to people that didn't know about it. Mm -hmm. And so there was resistance. And, of course, Obviously. within me kind of dealing with kind of the trauma of, like, yeah. i got to say goodbye to all my friends. Yeah. But I kept it going for two reasons. First, because I wanted to hold it together until my friends came back. Yeah. Because a lot of them said they were coming back for yeah. you know, the next year. Which many of them did. Which many of them have, and they've come in and out, and they've totally seen the progress, and it's wonderful. Yeah. But the other reason that I held on to it was because I didn't know where else to go. This mm -hmm. was the most defined and powerful thing that I've ever been a part of. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't see it crumble. I couldn't yeah. just watch it just be a one season. This is just a chapter in life. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. You know, this is just too big. This yeah. is too, it's something significant. Mm -hmm. And if all it is really going to take is for me to just be here and hold space for it, I'm not going to watch it fall apart. Yeah, I'm going to no. stay here. I'm going to keep building. I'm going to keep working on it with yeah. the same voraciousness. Yeah. And so... I stuck around through the off-season, through the smoky season and through the rainy season, and I, I established a wonderful relationship here in Paradise with all the, the ownership and staff here and, yeah. and watched the, the waves of people coming and going. This place is tra so transient. It's, yeah. it's watching an ocean of just these large groups of essentially strangers that become friends, and then they go about their business, and, yeah. and it's this hub yeah. of, 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 of energetic forces of, yeah. of people coming in with their brand new ideas mm -hmm. and and their own you know feelings and their their dramas and it's a lot of young people and a lot of travelers and I will establish nobody comes to this side of the world if they ain't running from something yeah and I don't mean that in a cowardly way yep, I, I don't mean that they're cowards I yeah. mean that they are getting the fuck away from something they that they the cannot distance. deal yeah. with it yeah and so it brings a lot of this element of people that are 
at once adventurous and beautiful yeah. and simultaneously uh, terrified yeah. and avoiding. Which means that they're also sort of doing that, you know, within their communications with other people, too. You know, yeah. I'm healthy, and I'm a traveler, and I love it, but also you are covered in baggage, and I yeah. can see it, you know, you know. And it's beautiful, and it totally yeah. is fine. Um, so, so, yeah, it becomes this thing that people come and go to now. Now this is a hub. Mm -hmm. This is some, there's so many people's homes now. Like, I yes. feel like this is a small part of my home now. Like, Absolutely. It's been part of, you know, five months of my life. I feel like I want to come back here. I feel like I want to continue building the men's circus. Can. And I've barely been in it. So, like, you guys know that more than I do. And then I'm one of the ones that are barely in it. You were the one that held back on us. <laughs> I mean, I was sitting here waiting for you. But, but it, is, so, it is an open door policy. Yeah. And you're right. It is, it's a lot of people that keep going and coming back yeah. and going and keep coming and back. going out, you know, getting more wisdom and knowledge, continue working and continue training. And then coming back here and bringing value to the show again. So now that it is this place of like, it's like, it's kind of a little home for us right now. Yeah. Um, how do you see it evolving in the future? Because, uh, you know, that can change from, you know, what's your one-year goal? What's your five-year goal? What's your 20-year goal, right? So <laughs> the answer would, would change throughout that. Oh, so let's start, let's start with like, Let's start with like a three-year goal, because in three years, a lot of things can happen. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, with, you're thinking about bleachers, you're thinking about, you know, expanding, whatever, whatever you guys are thinking Teams about. Things. So where, where do you see the Medicine Circus in three years? Um, and, um, and do you see it, you can also incorporate if you see it going internationally. Well, I mean, that is definitely the, the, the hope. Because yeah. um, obviously anybody that's in circus arts for any extended period of time, the idea of a traveling circus is fucking beautiful. Yeah. Now this is one of the, the sort of complicated parts. Uh -huh. my, my very good friend Talon put it in a fascinating way. We are a traveling circus. The circus stays in the same place. Yeah. Every member is a traveler. Yeah. It's it's it just it's this floating entity. Yeah, which is, um, which is why, why it's cool that they are representing the medicine circus where they are right wherever now. Wherever they go, wherever exactly. they go, they can they can take the love of being a part of something because everybody wants to be a part of something and bring it anywhere. Now, the plan. This is why the outside influences of people sort of like coming in from other parts of the world and being like, "Hey, Ryan, there's a great big world out there," yeah. <laughs> is so incredibly important because. My plan personally is such a short-term, you know, my biggest goals is to make sure that nobody sets themselves on fire on Thursday <laughs> and that the playlist actually comes together yeah. on Sunday. Like, I'm so immediately yeah. in this. So that's because it's necessary, right? Because it's necessary. Somebody's got to do it. Exactly. Somebody has to be the facilitator. And I, and I just, yeah. I, I can't even so let that, it go. That's what I can imagine that this question is not necessarily, you know, it's a hard question, it's a challenging question to answer. Um, because it goes in a lot of directions. Exactly, because it, it, you know, you don't really know, yeah. right? But what we do know is that it has been worked on on a weekly basis, and it has been worked on a weekly basis for over a year now, repeatedly. Oh yeah. And there's only a chance for it to grow. Yeah. <laughs> that is fascinating. So let's say you know Jordan or me or Harry leaves, you know, as travels, we're, like, we're part of the medicine circus. Um, I want to start a community, let's say in Florida, when I go back to the to the states. Um, you know, I have a fire staff and, you know, I can say, you know, I'm part of the medicine circus, right? Like Helen and Dusty are doing right now. Well, yeah. what's that? Well, it originated in Pi. Yeah. You know, that's how it all can be connected to back here. Yeah, exactly. It's a beautiful thing, right? It's the lineage. This is the Petri dish when it comes right down to it. This is the, 
place where we're able to experiment and where we've been been able to learn. Yeah. This is the place where it was born. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily mean that it's where it's going to end up. I would love to eventually have it be a traveling establishment, but there's obviously the complications with any kind of traveling gig. I remember this from being a magician that being on the road, you got to get yourself booked, you got to get flight tickets, you got to make it around to different places. What's your lodging, and especially doing that for a large group of people? It's this sort of like entertainment is it's the second oldest profession on the planet and it does make money and it's a beautiful way of making a living but what we have here is this beautiful theater and what joe has provided and being able to slowly transform joe's patch of concrete at a guest house into a theater we're slowly turning this place into a theater so on one hand i would love for it to travel i would love to travel with it on the other hand, I also recognize that Pi is growing rapidly. Yes. Every single year they're building new guest houses. Yeah. Every single year they have more and more people coming. Yeah. They have um, well, man. <laughs> there's all sorts of growth that is happening here. They just built a, um, an airport about five years ago, which is always the sign of things kind of <laughs> growing. And shit is about to pop yeah, in this fucking town. Definitely. And to be here... Oh, great. Sorry, I'm interrupting. It's okay. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, no, it's okay. You know, we're doing all these fucking interviews, man. There's microphones out anywhere. Holy shit. Looking at another pattern and archetype from my life, I grew up in a little town in Colorado just outside of Aspen, the ski town. Uh, very affluent place. My dad moved there in 1977, and at the time, it was just a hippie burg, dirt roads, swinging saloon doors. Hunter Thompson was running for sheriff. Uh, it was just this little hippie spot, and it was a lot like Pi at the time because nobody really knew about it, and it was just filled with hippies, and it was just this free, beautiful mountain. It's glorious. <laughs> it's, it's a place. And now, it's one of the most affluent places on the planet. Dolce Gabbana stores, ski passes celebrities vacation there what was the transition point it was this kind of slow process of it getting steered towards marketing to uh, a different subsection of people um, banking on the fact that it was growing it was about the time from what my dad told me he's lived in in the valley in Colorado for uh, for 45 years now and that it was the, the moment that they built an airport was when it started to grow up and it started to turn into something else Pi just built an airport. That is the sign. It's the it's it is coming up. Definitely. So there's this part of me that, on one hand, of course I want to keep traveling. Of course I want to see other parts of the world. But banking on the fact that this place could grow, there's two it different attitudes already. about change. One of which, and I keep hearing this repeatedly about a variety of different places. Oh, Pi has changed, so I don't <laughs> go back there. Yeah. Versus. Pi is changing. I want to be here to help steer it in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. It's passive versus active. And yeah. There's a lot of people, especially in our generation, that don't actually feel agency enough to be able to, oh, life is changing around me. That just upsets and scares me mm -hmm. as opposed to it is changing yeah. and I want to fucking be here for yeah. it. If, if I could possibly bank on the fact that there is very little entertainment here. There's no bowling alley. There's no yeah. movie theater. There's yeah. jack shit going yeah. on in terms of entertainment. Mm -hmm. There's housing. There's restaurants. There's beautiful attractions. There's a lot of things that bring tourists here. There's nothing space going. Building. Absolutely, and it's and it's gonna grow. Oh, yeah. So, at any one point in time, there's sort of this push pull of, you know, do I want to 
know, do I want to take it on the road? Do I want to stay here? Yeah. I, I've gotten to a point in my life, most of my 20s were completely untethered. I was going to festivals and Burning Man and traveling around in a van and high as fuck on drugs and like this is what a lot of people's 20s are this sort of untethered seeking Mm -hmm. and I'm into my 30s now I'm getting a little bit older at least just to the extent where I'm like you know what I really want stability yeah you know my 20 year old self would yell at me for saying that but I think that it comes in everybody's life at a certain point in in a healthy way we never seek structure until we've been unstructured for so long that we're like god damn this is exhausting i need a place to lie down yeah that's what i feel right now absolutely and and i look forward to it actually because now it has been unstructured for like about six months and i'm already like now i wish to go back to something that's actually structured yeah so i can understand that yeah human beings well i mean really any any animal any natural force it always goes to its extremes for long enough before anything changes yeah and it's a very, it's a, a youthful mentality of sort of a rebellion. I, I'm not going to live the way that other people live. I want to be free. I want to yeah. be a leaf in the breeze. <laughs> but when you're a leaf in the breeze for long enough and you've bounced to a variety of different places and it's yeah. this constant, everything is changing, it's a very natural feeling, to me at least. It came about very naturally that was like, you know, I, I want a home. Yeah. I don't... I'm done looking. I'm yeah. I'm done seeking. I'm done trying to find the perfect thing, uh-huh. and I just want to find what's right. It yeah. ties back to that whole: the grass is not greener on the other side. No. The grass is greener where you water it. Yes. <laughs> and I really had to sort of snap myself out of that mentality of of consistently trying to to run, to to chase, to to seek, to look, yeah. and to simply pause long enough to be like, you know what? What I'm looking for, I think I actually have to make it. Yeah. It's not pre-existing somewhere. Yeah. It's not that I'm just going to stumble into, into it. I'm, I kind of did with what happened here in Pi. I happened to thank God, thank you, universe, for, for putting me in a place where my series of life skills really fit in a beautiful way. Yeah. But I still kind of needed to jam my square peg into the round hole just a little bit. There was a lot of wonderful serendipities and pieces and parts that came together that that really made me feel like, oh my God, this is a place that I could fit. But there was still a lot of resistance in a lot of areas of like, hey guys, like I want you know something stable. I want something bigger. Oh no, I just want to play and fuck around and give me yeah. some more of that kerosene. Yeah. I was like, no, you know, I, I want something. So the structure that you've created with the medicine circus so far, is that enough? Or are you looking for like a, because I imagine personally for you, that's what you're talking about when it comes to structure, like you want more of like a steady income, I imagine, more like a steady everyday life. Like, is that something that you already have or is that something that you're still working on? I I definitely, I I see where it is now as sort of a a growth point maximum, at least in relation to to what we're doing here at Paradise, here in Pi. But very much in the sense of, um, uh, Talon brought this idea to my attention. He said, you know, it's reached its growth point maximum, but much in the sense of like when you're growing a plant inside of a grow box, if you just plant the seed and let it go nuts inside of that box, eventually it has filled the whole fucking thing up. But you haven't trimmed off the dead leaves. You haven't trimmed off the the hermaphroditic branches and the little scrawny things. If you just trim and prune it a little bit, it has room to grow, but in a much more directed way. And so at this point, the growth is not quite so just 
wild, uncontrolled growth. Let's control the growth a little bit so that it can kind of put energy into the right branches. When you prune a tree, the whole idea of pruning a tree is not to just cut off the parts that you don't like. It's it's also to allow it to put energy into the parts of it that are growing really well. When um, when a plant, a, a dead leaf that's coming off, the plant is putting almost all of its energy into trying to keep that fucking thing alive. But it doesn't need to. You just pop that thing off and you've essentially just told the plant, don't put energy into that thing that is clearly fucking dying. Yeah. Put it into the parts that are beautiful. Mm-hmm. So at this point, it's, it's sort of a continual fine-tuning, a shaving, a... Uh, um, my dad puts it this way in his with his magic act that he's now been doing for 45 years and fully admits that it's not even done yet. It's not it's not completed. An act is never done. A, a routine is never finished. There's no, always there's no lines perfect. to be added. Yeah. There's there's polishing to be does to be done. He uses the the visual image of uh, of a block of marble, a perfectly cubed block of marble, that with every time that you do it, you shave off just the tiniest bits from the outside eventually ending you up with a beautiful sphere Mm -hmm. that you have polished down every time that you perform every time that you do this thing Mm -hmm. you're just shaving off just a little bit you're just polishing it just a little bit more and it's the teeniest little steps and at this point i do really feel like i'm far more stable um, as an entertainer than i ever really was in the western world i was always chasing the sun and you know running after tourists but they all come here and, and I've reached a level of uh, financial stability that is good enough for me. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's high currency, it's bot, so it's nothing to write home about. I still, <clears throat> if you, you know, punch it into a currency translator, I still weep a little bit knowing, you know, how much I have. Yeah. Oh, boy, I've got about 85 cents. <laughs> but, but here, that's enough. All I really want is stability. Yeah. And... That's a wonderful thing to have sort of been snapped out of the Western view of I need more, there needs to be more. You know, coming to Thailand, there was always this feeling of like, I didn't have enough. I don't, there's not a, and then my dad told me, what what is enough? When is it enough? You have have anything in your fucking bank account, make it work. And at this point, you know, I'm making my my meager living but it's enough yeah because all i really need is just stability yeah. and so what we have here is stability and a project that i can continually work on this is a gigantic art project is. that is completely collaborative and it can only branch like and it can only branch and grow and be yeah. added pieces to you're at paradise you know it can you can you can do so many things it's almost it's almost silly to leave the project now in my opinion Absolutely. like it's just i was ask something this is something that i've been asking about how, how old is Paradise? Like, the because there was a resort, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I don't know if Joe bought it. I don't know what the situation was. Just how long is that? How long ago started, like, now we're going to call it Paradise. It's not going to be a resort. It's a it's a hostel instead. Do you know that? Um, I know at least the general lineage. I haven't been able to get the, the total details from yeah. Joe. But I know that um, uh, a little over five years ago, it was still Pai Tara Resort. Yeah. Um, and Pai Tara Resort was only um, the four bungalows, the ones that we live in. Mm-hmm. Those were the original rooms. Um, and this big, beautiful open space. Huh. Um, about five years ago, uh, Joe changed his living from... Um, he was a, a tourist police prior, prior to this. And then he invested in this place. All of the, the rooms are less than five years old. All of this really sprouted in a very short period of time. Huh. For a little while, it was what the fuck bar. Um, 
it was relatively unstructured. And I would say it was, you know, maybe two to three years ago that they changed the name to Paradise. And um, I got a lot of this lineage, a lot of this understanding actually through people that have come back to be in the circus. It was this very bizarre sort of hand-me-down element to, to my job. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was about two and a half years ago, Dylan, a good friend Dylan, a poi spinner that's in the circus, um, he had my same job. He came here in a very similar position, no fucking money, mm -hmm. had no idea what the fuck to do with himself. Um, started helping Joe run fire shows. It, it's a very common activity in Southeast Asia, so it's just something to bring guests yeah. into a guest house. At the time that Dylan got here, it was only Thai staff. Even at the time, Joe barely spoke any English. Yeah. Um, so Dylan was one of the was one of two of the very first foreigner volunteers. Joe had never even considered bringing on volunteers at that point. He only yeah. had Thai workers. This was only two and a half years ago that Dylan just by proxy of he's a very sweet human he um, came here and was just helping clean up after you know party nights mm -hmm. and and he just hung out and spun fire and and eventually because he was so sweet joe actually approached and was like how can we get you to stay here you're doing really kind things so he you know got volunteer housing and beautiful things but it sort of planted this seed in joe's mind that like oh foreigners could actually really help this because we have within us an understanding of the way that Western tourists think yeah. and what we want out of a trip and and how to facilitate things, how to communicate a little bit better. The, the Thai way of being is very, very passive, very quiet, very, you know, sabai sabai. They're, they're very, <clears throat> they keep to themselves. Yeah. Not a whole lot of communication. So that, that element of sort of hospitality. Hey, how you doing? Are you enjoy your time at Paradise? Yeah. This is not really it's a Thai thing. It's yeah. just, it just doesn't happen here. They just sort of set the space and they're like, what, do you yeah. like it? Yeah. You know? So he, it he kind of clicked for Joe yeah. what foreigners could do for this place, was, which was to bring new ideas, new elements, diversity, new ideas, um, and also just sort of friendliness. Yeah. So Dylan had the job. He left. Uh, shortly after that, there was a, another couple um, a circus couple that was running the fire shows. Then the job got handed to Talon, and Talon was here for a couple of months, again, running fire shows, which at the time was just putting out a bucket of kerosene and fucking around. Uh, he handed the job off to Kayla and Rafa. Um, Kayla, who was my neighbor in Chiang Mai for two and a half years. Uh, and again, you know, just putting out a bucket of kerosene, playing yeah. flippy dippy. And then, of course, Kayla knew what was going on with me when I came up to Pi. Yeah. And she was like, hey, I'm leaving town, you know, talk to Joe. You might be able to pick up the job. So there was this odd lineage of people, you know, sort of handing down the job, of course, until it got planted with somebody that actually really wanted to do something with yeah. it. <clears throat> and there was a wonderful, and I've talked to a lot of people about this, and it's this wonderful combination, not only of the skill sets, but also my perfect level of desperation. Yes. Everybody else that had the job of running the fire shows of Paradise um, had other places to go, had other things to do. When they kind of got bored of it, they didn't get traction. Dylan even said it in a beautiful way. He said that coming back to it and seeing a circus form, there was this mild sense of jealousy of like, 
And I tried putting this together. Yeah. I tried putting together fire shows. I don't know why it never happened. Yeah. But when it started to become sort of hard work, it was like, nah, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to buy a ticket back to Canada. Yeah. I'm going to go fuck it around. Yeah. Um, you know, Talon did the same thing. He just, you know, oh, we're going to try, but oh, it's a little bit tough. Ah, oh, but I just got invited to India. Oh, I'm going to go fucking, you know, yeah. I'm going to fly around. Yeah. Everybody else had different options. I was at that perfect level of brokenheartedness and desperation and didn't know where else to fucking go. God knows, in reality, I had everywhere to go, yeah. but in my emotionally broken mind, I got nowhere to go. <laughs> so it, it meant so much more to me that I stuck around to really make sure that it can stayed and yeah. that it built. But it took somebody that like was so desperately clinging to it. Uh, you know, I don't actually, need romantic relationships. I've got a circus. Able to, you know, yeah, right. Because you have this, like, and now it has become a show. You know, there's over a hundred people attending at least twice, uh, twice a week, right? And we have one fire jam which is at least more than 50 people now uh, watching every single week. Uh, so there's no reason to think this is going to stop growing. There's no reason to think, because you know, I've talked to five to 10 travelers, new travelers here every single day for the past five months now. And I ask everybody, because it's genuinely interesting to me, how did you hear about Pi? How did you find Paradise? There's not a single person that says, you know, I found it on Instagram or you know, it's, it's social media, or you know, maybe they read an article in which you know, uh, they can get something here and that's why they're here, but most people actually hear about it through word of mouth, which is a powerful way to, to market. Yeah. That it means that somebody has been here, experienced it, had fun, spoken about it, and now there's more people doing it, right? Yes. So, you're talking about the airport, you're talking about how this place is going to grow, you're talking about the, the, the potential of this place to improve. Like, we've already seen just yesterday, a bunch of Israelis, you know, just put up something. Did you go down there and see? We want to have a party. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna go down there. It's play crazy. all day today. So yeah, it's a simple thing, but you know, it can be built upon. You know, so yeah. this is a place that is only going to grow. Yeah. Uh, so that is something that is exciting for me because I want to come back here. Yeah. Uh, and excited for anybody who you know likes oh, fire and. It's gonna be so much different by the time you arrive because yeah. what what P. Joe has given us, and I've seen this from the very beginning. Is such a beautiful gift because it's a gift of creativity. Here's a blank palette uh -huh. and a shit ton of paints. What would you do yeah. with this? Yeah. What would you do to make this place more beautiful? He's fully admittant to the fact of like he's really good at management. He's a business mind. He's a lovely human. He's incredibly giving. But I don't know exactly even what to do with all this. It's yeah. a huge campus. There's like, what what would, what should we bring? A, a climbing wall? I don't yeah. know. If I, I don't know. What, what kind of activity should we have here? Yeah. Make it. Yeah. What a beautiful gift to be able to give to, especially kids that are sort of a little bit lost, yeah. is that feeling of, what would you do without any judgment? This is not your job. This is not your requirement. This is not what I expect from you. It's look inside of your heart. What do you have that you could give to this place? Yeah. And it's such an empowering thing to it give is. to people. It's yeah. a, it's it's not a like this is your job description. You gotta fucking do this. What do I have? Mm -hmm. What am I good at? Mm -hmm. Oh my god, I am good at things. Yeah. Oh my god, I could bring something really special uh -huh. to this. So not only and this is, place welcomes it, which is the place which is really beautiful. welcomes it, and Joe needs it, and he mm -hmm. knows this. Yeah. And and it allows for for people to kind of bring what it is that they're good at mm -hmm. but also to get out of it what they need whether or not they consciously know what they yeah. need at the time that they arrive here mm -hmm. because you know the medicine of the circus it's the exactly. heal a variety of I wounds I agree with that and this is also an accepting you know our uh, uh, it's there's accepting people here so you know the mm -hmm. open mic it's not 
we, when we cheer you at the end of your song, it's not because you did a good song necessarily, because most people go up there and they, you know, mm-hmm. enough, like they're all, you know, shout beginners. Singers, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So, you know, we don't applaud you because you sang well, we applaud you because you got up there in the first place. You right? did it. You did it. And you tried. Yeah, exactly. And that's what's so beautiful about this place, in my personal yeah. opinion, at least. Yeah. yeah. And you guys have been able to, to create that here. Yeah. Right? Um, cool. I think that that's a lot of what it did for me. Yeah. Was being applauded just for trying. Yeah. Um, being at the head of this, the most repetitive message that I've kind of gotten out of this, uh-huh. leadership skills is so fucking hard. Yeah. I've always been a quiet, introverted. I'm not a very daring person, or at yeah. least I haven't been throughout my life. But the biggest part of leadership qualities which is just one who leads I don't want to be in charge I don't want to be the star of the show I'm not at the top of the heap uh-huh. one who leads one who shows the trail you just gotta make the decisions you just gotta just do it just do anything Amen. and the fact that you'll get applauded for trying yeah. fuck man it, it warms my heart and it's a beautiful fucking thing it is definitely and just because I want this to be on the podcast because it's such a yeah, go ahead. powerful part of this for me uh-huh. within a few months of starting this whole project and doing this together, one of the people that we were playing with, um, my friend McKenna, um, you're, you're leaving momentarily, right? You're going to get on the bus? Oh, is this? Oh, okay, perfect. Okay, yeah, exactly. This is going straight into my room. Are you going to change mine? Oh, yeah. Already Okay, cool. What time is it now? It's 10.20. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You gotta give him a hug. We'll get yeah. back to the... We'll, we'll cut this. You can yeah, cut this out. Just, <laughs> no worries. We don't even have to. It's just part of the... It's just part of it. Exactly. Yeah, this is a prime example of what paradise is like. You can't walk 10 feet without seeing somebody you love. Yeah, the one person you talk to everybody. Yeah, straight. Also, if you get a chance, I'm gonna leave my scooter. I'll leave it right there. Mm-hmm. Give this to Brandon. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Safe travels, man. Love you, brother. Enjoy the bus. Uh, Read a good book. Yeah, Yeah, right. (laughs) So Um, that's. Yeah, go ahead. You were doing. mm -hmm. Uh, So my buddy McKenna, um, who's this sweet, bubbly, lovely young person who's incredibly enthusiastic and incredibly good at fire toys, because of the role that I was playing of sort of facilitating what's been going on. I would always show up to, to every gig, every event. You know, I've got the kerosene, I've got everybody's toys, I've got the safety blanket, I'm looking out for everybody, everybody be safe. McKenna started calling me Fire Dad. McKenna gave me this this title. It's the most flattering nickname I've ever gotten. Because it doesn't imply, you know, it's not fire leader, fire king, yeah. fire top of the heap. It's fire dad. Yeah. The word dad conjures up this image of a, you know, a bumbling dad who takes his kid camping. He's just fucking sitting in a lawn chair with a beer, just making sure he doesn't drown in the fucking river. Yeah. You know, it's just he's an incompetent fucking fool who is just trying really hard to make sure that everything goes well. Yeah. And that is my my job and that's why I know that like this is my place not only here at Paradise but here in Pi and my place within the circus it's not the star of the show it's not the top of the heap I just want to hold the space I want to make the space you guys yeah. fill it with beautiful things yeah. I just want to be the fire dad I just want to see it yeah. grow because I love it so much but with a disconnected 
I'll put out all of the yeah, pieces and parts challenge. and clean up afterwards. Yeah. And it's it is tiring because it's dads have breakdowns too. Yeah. But it's so lovely to be seen and recognized and put in that place revert kind of referring back to what we were talking about of like what do you have in you that you could provide at this place Mm -hmm. a lot of love that suddenly I can direct in a way that is massively productive to the growth of other people I just want to encourage people I just want to see them grow because I see their potential you get out there do something beautiful because I believe in you yeah that's awesome that is absolutely awesome. It's beautiful because, you know, you're more like a gatekeeper kind of thing. It's like you're, you're, you're keeping this platform for people to grow. And that's essentially what you're trying to do, right? Is that, do you think, is that stability enough for you? We were talking about that earlier. Is that, is that something you could, um, you know, find peace in? I have never found so much gratification. McKenna is the perfect example of this because when she came here and we were, when we were still growing together as a team um, she pulled me aside one day and she said uh, Ryan never ever give me a solo don't push me out there I hate it when all eyes are on me I feel like when you push me you're like a Russian dance teacher slapping me in the back of the leg with a ruler because that's what she, that was the trigger that she remembered from her childhood was mm-hmm. this harsh ass get out there and do it yeah Okay, I'll never, I'll never push you, yeah. but, I, but I believe in you. Uh-huh. And then by the time she left here, whipping around that dragon staff like it was nobody's business, owning a stage like I have never ever seen anybody own a stage. Amazing. I didn't, I didn't do that. But I told her that I believed that yeah, she could she do could. it. Yeah. And to see that effect of my. Very little action. All it was was just support. Just yeah. here, it's just the the dad's hand on the back of a of a bike when the training wheels come off. Yeah. He's not directing it. He's not holding the thing up with his full strength. It's just, it's here. You're yeah. safe. Yeah. And before you know it, he's let go of that bike. Yeah. And you don't know when you're cruising down the road. And I'm doing it. Oh my God! I'm and doing it on my own. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> that feeling. Yeah better than almost anything else I've ever gotten to experience on my own with my own triumphs and trials and tribulations within entertainment. I've had to come to this a lot recently that snapping out of the scarcity mentality of the Western world, I don't have enough, I need more. My wealth is measured in my friendships, not in my bank account. My stability is being produced because I am simultaneously asking for and offering support. By supporting others, they are helping me make a living. By building the space that others will occupy, they're helping me stay alive. And it's taught me so much about the symbiotic nature of life, that this is not any one person's accomplishment. That I would be such an asshole if I ever made any kind of statement like, this is mine, I'm doing this. I am not at the top of you because I have to recognize repeatedly that in order to have found this stability, I've needed others so badly. And it's taught me that 
asking for community, that, that reaching out for help, that being a part of something bigger than me was the necessary component that I was lacking. That bullshit Western mentality of you got to do it all on your own. You got to be independent, you know, or you got to at least not be codependent. Yeah. Fuck that, man. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's cooperation. Yeah. As a species, what we have is not the sharpest claws. We don't run the fastest. We don't have sharp teeth. We don't pounce at our prey. We have cooperation. Yeah, communication. Yeah. We, I couldn't do this on my own. And so that level of stability within instability. It's become this sort of odd comfort zone, and it's teaching me so much about my own issues of, of attachment and abandonment issues. You got abandonment issues? Just hang out and pie for a yeah. while. You will be left repeatedly. Yeah, you, get, you, you fall in love with people 45 minutes later, they're on yeah, the bus. Like, oh, it's just like, what the fuck, man? It's yeah. just, it is nightmarish. It's good practice for, for, for the emotional self. Though. Exactly. Yeah. It's huge. It's like that um, exposure therapy. You know, if yeah. you're afraid of spiders, they'll put a spider on the back of your hand. Are you afraid of being a man? Well, just say goodbye to fucking everybody every 45 minutes if you're afraid of saying goodbye. Yeah. And, it, and it's teaching me over and over to just like to, to just let go and let give and have yeah. faith that, it, yeah. that things will keep coming back, that those roles will keep being filled. Yeah. There's less people. Oh, my God, it's so empty. No, give, give it about 45 minutes. Somebody is getting off the bus. And if you are aware and open enough to it, they will be right there in your life. Yeah. If you're ready and if you're looking, if you're looking down at your shoes and I'm so depressed and I'm sad and I can't, you won't be able to see all these beautiful influences that have the possibility of coming into yeah, your life. That's exactly right. And so the stability within the instability, I'm here watering the fucking garden. Yeah. I just want to stay here and water the garden enough that it grows the fruits that people want to come and see. Yeah. If I, and I have faith in this and, and it may be completely stupid and I may be proven wrong at some point in my life but if I just keep building the stage you know it's like the field of dreams Kevin Costner early 90s if you build it they will come if you build it they will come if I just keep putting it together the reputation not only that is transmitted into the audience like we have you know you, you keep saying 100 people if you do the math what we had up there on the stage is 12 steps 12 people yeah. 144 people just on the stairs oh, so we were closer to 200 people 2 300 people in every That's fucking it. audience we are we're killing it we have a beautiful reputation because we've been doing it just for just yeah. over a year and then transfers outwardly within into the flow community as well and it's why I've invited people like like Xander and 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 Talon and all these friendly exuberant people that are like hey yeah you could totally come join and like and, and it's new people that are the lifeblood of this because they bring excitement and new ideas and it's a brand new thing to them and yeah. I'm just perfectly jaded enough to be as I've been doing this for just long enough that I'm just hyper focused on the nitty gritty details of how to keep this thing going, going yeah. other people are now the gatekeeper I've really turned the job of gatekeeper over to people that are way more fucking friendly than me because I'm just kind of, you know, you tend the gate. I'm going to build the fucking wall. I got to, like, there's other pieces yeah. <laughs> of the logistical, you know, I got to go pump the fucking bathrooms. Like, there's parts of what is going on here that need yeah. a little bit more maintenance. Uh -huh. um, so I have faith in the instability. My... My mom was a tremendously scared human being. She was raised Catholic. She was full of guilt. She was a very heavy alcoholic. She hated herself. Mm -hmm. But she loved to give, and she was so, give it, so good at it. 
and she was such an amazing caretaker and she was able to put love outside of herself and put herself aside and be there for other people so fucking much she was very scared my dad is a performer wonderful amazingly giving human being he loves to make people laugh he loves to be in front of audiences and he's always lived from this Peter Pan mentality of leap in the net will appear uh, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans he's lived his life this way and it's led to so many beautiful things so I have this beautiful combination of mentalities coming from my parents one of be realistic life is kind of scary and the other side of have faith it's all working out for the best mm -hmm. so the little bits of logic and rationale and structure combined with the faith that it's all going the direction that it's supposed to be going yeah. take the steps but have faith yeah. if I keep being here doing my job a friend of mine very recently sent me a wonderful quote I can't remember who it's from so I'm not going to try and quote it to anybody if you keep doing your job faithfully and diligently unknown friends will come and find you yeah just keep doing that's it. beautiful that is so 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 beautiful if you just keep working no matter what it is through the periods that you have massive self-doubt yeah. is this right is this not right mm -hmm. I'm at that perfect point in my life where I just stopped asking that question because there is no right if there's yeah. one goddamn lesson that I've learned from all the fuck-ups I've had in life yeah there is no right. There's Only a series right. of wrongs. Yeah. There's a lot of wrongs. <laughs> but there is no right. Just pick something. Just mm -hmm. do something, anything. And if you stop and just do that diligently long enough, even through the points where everything in the universe would be telling, or at least what you would be interpreting as, this is stupid. Why the fuck am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Just keep doing it anyway. If you have yeah. even the littlest part of you that's like, but I'm good at this. I'm going to keep trying. Goes through these waves, yeah. and the circus has been the most amazing example of that. Of we have twenty people, we have five people, we have you know some of the most amazing performers in the world. Yeah. We have a couple of beginners, yeah. and it's gone through these waves of of I'm I'm full of life and I'm lonely. There's been a great show. The next show is garbage. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just it's this emotional fucking roller coaster, mm -hmm. but it's repeatedly teaching me resilience, mm -hmm. and perseverance. Yeah keep going yeah and that i think is a perfect tone to end us all on uh we're an hour and 13 minutes in already this is how quick it all goes <laughs> um that was amazing um thank you so much for sharing all that with us um there is one question that i like asking at the very end of all podcasts um had three this is the fourth um I've responded to this question myself in many different ways. It's a very open-ended question, but I've gotten different replies every time I ask it. So I'm going to ask you two. If the entire world was listening right now, what would you be telling them? <laughs> when I started performing magic, At the time, it was just a way of creativity, and it was also sort of a social lubricant. I was always very kind of withdrawn. I didn't know how to connect with people. And magic became this kind of like cheat code. I don't know how to start a conversation. I don't know how to talk to people. Mm. So maybe if I show you this little trick. Yeah, maybe you'll say oh, something. Wow. Yeah, now we're having a conversation. Now yeah. we're friends. It became social lubricant. It's definitely an yeah, icebreaker. And I started <laughs> performing regularly. And there's a moment in my act that you've seen uh -huh. where I'm holding 
You know, the lemon in one hand, the knife in the other. It was within a very few short times doing that that I recognized that in that moment, every set of eyes was on me. Yeah. What am I going to say in that moment? <laughs> when people's attention is all on me. And so yeah. I had to ask myself the same question yeah. very early on in my performance career. Yeah. If everybody is looking, what do I want to say? I don't yeah. want to say, I'm just here to make money. I don't want to say something flippant and you can find it in any fucking inspiration book. I want to say what's in my heart. Yeah. And I'm still not there. My my hat pitch, my moment, that that script that's there in that show right now mm -hmm. is not perfect. I'm in the ten ring. I'm not in the bullseye. And I'm always shooting for the bullseye. Mm -hmm. It's but authentic, though. We've heard it. It's the thing that comes from my heart. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this is in fact what I do for a living. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the show, I'm going to hold out my hat. But please know that I'm singing for my supper. Mm -hmm. The song that I sing, it's one of love. I love people. And I love to bring joy and to spread a little bit of laughter and to lighten people's loads for just a little bit. If for the 15 minutes that you've been watching this show, you haven't been thinking about the squeaky door frame, the leaky faucet, the new sound that your bike is making, the pain in your hip, yeah. the bank account, then I did my job. Yeah. If for those 15 minutes you were along for this ride, I did my job. And ladies and gentlemen, this is the best job that I've ever had in my entire life because it taught me the most important lesson that I've ever learned. And that's that the best way to get love in this life is to give love. Mm -hmm. And this is only the best way that I know how. Mm -hmm. So thank you for being here and giving me some love. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. That's awesome. And I really, really love ending on that note. Thank you very much for doing Thank this with me, Thank you, Philippe. I this love you, kid. Absolutely awesome. I'm going to miss having you as a neighbor, but I know you're coming back. I so. will be coming back. Yeah, I am so, so thankful for the platform that you've opened up for us, for me to be able to shine here. Um, it took a while before I got myself into the show, but I was, I had it on my, on my list of goals I wanted to complete before I, I left. Uh, I got it done, and now I got you on the podcast, which is great. So thank you very much, and uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. I love you, neighbor. <laughs> I love you back. <laughs>